You're listening to the Burst Ball Podcast. Burst Ball, talking up the Scottish game. Hello, you're listening to the Burst Ball Scottish Football Podcast with me, your host, Lewis Kemp, not Hamish Carton. A wee turn up for the books there, a wee, a wee change of pace, as I'd say. Um, I'm joined in the studio by uh, uh, quite a lot of people, actually. We're quite packed in here, um, very tightly. Um, Hamish Carton himself is here. Hello, Hamish. Hi, Lewis. How are you? I'm all right. I'm, I'm fine. I'm also joined by Callum Scott. Thrilled to be here. Johnny Clark. Enjoying the new mix-up of hosts, Lewis. Thank you. Uh, Connor Park. Good afternoon. And a new recruit, we have replaced Callum Fisher, um, the unlucky Rangers fan for the lucky Rangers fan, who of course uh, saw his team win by a couple of goals, Mr Craig Gamble. Thanks very much for having me boys. So um, I think we should probably start with the game with the most goals, which was of course Inverness and Harps, a three each, um, brilliant game some would say. Um, Inverness lost the reverse fixture 4 0. 5 1. 5 1. 5 1. I've started well here. <laughs> um, does this result show how far they've come from that, Hamish? Uh, it certainly does. I think I, I think um, we looked at the, the last game and there was a lot of chat about at that point. Um, I think it was at the game when Richie Foran made his comment saying that he wasn't getting the best out of his mm. team right. in the aftermath of that game. And it was kind of the turning point in the season because I think since then um, they then they beat. Was it Dundee maybe the week after? Or St Johnson, I think it was 2 1. And then it's certainly been a turnaround, I think, after yeah, that game. Um, so there's a massive change. I think Johnny was talking about the game on uh, Thursday show, uh, which I thought was really good as well. And Johnny was saying that the change was evident going into this match, and that I think Hearts, Johnny said, were um, still would be seen as favourites. And I think they were seen as favourites, but it was one of the games on Saturday. I know Inverness didn't win it, but I thought Inverness would win it. Um, just the way they were going into the match, playing really strongly. Especially at home, uh, I think they've got a really, a really good energetic team at the moment. I think Ross Draper's been a real key player at the moment. The way, the way he's playing, um, Hearts defending in the game was about to go into that. Yeah, yeah, poor. that that was that was poor certainly. But Inverness, um, I think Dumbaya up top as well is really starting to become the striker that they've needed since they lost the likes of Marley Watkins um, the summer before last. So I, I think um, they're a team who. I wouldn't write them out of any sort of relegation battle at the moment, Inverness, but I think at the moment you have got to credit Richie Foran, certainly for the job that he's done since uh, the last time they played Hearts, which is a completely different game uh, to Saturday's one. Mm. Uh, do you go all with that, Nicole? Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, I wasn't able to catch the game, but when I've seen the scores coming through, and there's just no doubt that, obviously, when they were defeated 5-1 at Tynecastle, I mean, I think, we basically had them already relegated but then I think I did anyway and for them to turn that around was remarkable and as Hamish touched on it was that was the day that Richie Foran made his comments and uh, from then on it's really I mean he dr- draw with Celtic obviously at home and kick on for them they've been remarkable so I th- yeah I think what must be said is defensively Hearts were really really poor um, especially for the Dubai I go off I thought they'd be kind of chuckled it's funny seeing all the Hearts fans running down the front when that goal went in they were uh, absolutely there was, a, there was a lot of booze I think after the, was it the second goal can you drink up in Inverness at games can you of course no 
Um, I know, I know what you're getting at though. There was, there's certainly a feeling on the road um, from Hearts fans that they're expecting much more. You were at the game at Rugby Park, and I, I believe there was a lot of um, anger from the Jambos at that game. But it's interesting because they are still doing nicely um, in the league table. They're still sitting in that pack of I think four mm. teams going for second place, but there seems to be a real negativity around the place. It's similar to the start of the season. Yeah, well, if you look. If you look at what's happened there, um, I mean, getting into the game against us last week, they had a great opportunity to be X amount of points ahead of Aberdeen. And you know, what I mean, all they've done is pick up one point from then on. Uh, obviously, Aberdeen dropped points. Well, they were defeated by Hamilton last Tuesday, and they also get uh, beat by Celtic at uh, Petardry on Saturday. Mm. So, like, that's a massive opportunity missed for Hearts if they were want to fight for a se- kind of second place. But I think there's. I think there needs to be a wee bit of realism kicked in there as well. I mean, they di- as you say, the start of the season they were. There was a, there was a wee bit of negativity around about Tyne Castle for whatever reason. People weren't back Nielsen. They weren't on this great run of form. And now it's getting back to that. I think the fans need to kind of relax a bit, so to speak. I think I think Nielsen's a decent coach. Um, but I, th- I think the fans need to realise that they're not an old firm team who expect to go to every ground in the country and win. I think a I, mean? I think a big issue for Hearts, um, certainly the last few weeks has been, you know, goal scoring and stuff. Um they've now went with well they started with Muirhead and yeah, Johnson up front as opposed to Salmon and Watt. Johnny, um you're a big fan of Connor Salmon. Um <laughs> should Salmon Watt be given a bit more time to uh, find their kind of for, their form, a bit of partnership or um is Muirhead and Johnson is that the kind oh. of I think Johnson scored at the yeah. weekend, didn't he? So I suppose that that move's been. I mean, three goals he scored at the end of the day, so with right. his partnership. So, well, Salmon's really not working out at all for Hearts. I don't, has he even scored a goal yet? So How many goals did you say he scored again? Remind us. <laughs> I I think I said was it double figures or did I said twenty. I think it was twenty. That's oh, absolutely dear. scandalous. Oh, dear. Uh, no, I, I sorry, Cal, no, sorry I, I just want to point out there as well. Obviously, I'll let you go on because. Your friend will be muir No, no, I'm not going to about Salmon. Everybody's given Salmon a lot of stick, rightfully so, but I mean, he scored equally the same amount of goals as Tony Watt this season. They've both scored one goal each in the league. Mm-hmm. And Salmon, Salmon's, uh, I think Salmon's got three assists as well. Connor Salmon, despite that spell he had at Kilmarnock when he couldn't stop scoring, he's not a goal scoring striker. He's, he's a, you know, he's up the good link-up play kind of striker, you know, throws himself about in that. Mm. But I always feared it wouldn't work out for him at Hearts, and I think that, you know, I think he's he's lost a lot of confidence since going there. I don't. The fans don't give him a chance, which yeah. doesn't help. But the fans have got every right, you know. I mean, your striker's expected to score goals. I'm not getting on the Hearts fans, but, um, but I think that it, I don't see it working out for him now. I think he's he's lost too much confidence. But I hope he does turn it around. For he's a good guy. I think he's got the ability to kick on. Yeah, it was a worry that I expressed before the season. I thought he was too similar to Tony Watt because they're both, as you say, they're players who run around, make an effort, but neither of them really, Tony Watt maybe, but neither of them really seem to be in the right place at the right time when those chances come, when crosses come in, the amount of times you see a cross in and one of them will have crossed it in and the other one will be in the other wing or the edge of the box or something. So I think they are they're too similar. The opening game against Celtic, they were really lively and energetic, but a couple of chances came... And they don't seem quite prolific. I always thought Tony Watt was a goal scorer at Celtic when he, he seemed to score more goals in games he played. But for some reason, he's he's lost that. And uh, as you know, they've scored three goals at the weekend. So there is an argument maybe that goal scoring isn't their problem. Um, but then they didn't start with Watt and Salmon. Yeah. 
So I, uh, that was the point I'm getting. I'll, I, I'll, I'll go. I, I'll go to you, Craig. Uh, do you go along, along with that? Do you think that Salmon and Watt in their times kind of not no no it's not so much a times up? Do you think a, a freshness needs to happen? They need to shape things up. Well, yeah, that? I think obviously a fresh maybe a, a fresh approach uh, did need to happen. And and you look at it as you said at the weekend there, the like the partnership with Muirhead and, and Johnson that three goals Hart scored. Mm. So I mean. Watt and Salmon are obviously not firing in all cylinders this season, so maybe a wee bit of a, and that'll get them keep them on their toes as yeah. well because you look, no, you're not guaranteed mm. to start every week mm-hmm. in this team. So do you think it isn't then a play from Nielsen for, yeah, well, for starting with these two guys? Because well, I think so. Yeah, it is, it is kind of somewhat of a shock to start these two guys. I feel. What was it you said at the start of the season that Muirhead was told that he would play games? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it was as an idea from Nielsen that. He will use all four strikers. They had, they had the boys well that went away and kept the cowed and beef. Mm-hmm. Well, th- that's exactly what I think. Yeah, obviously, is Wan was still at Hearts? As no, well, no, he's away. He's been so still there, isn't he? Oh, apparently, yeah. no. <laughs> I is a bizarre transfer for you and something. <laughs> um, no, but uh, he was told at the start of the season he would play X amount of players, and he was told how many strikers that he was what to bring in. But what's a surprising thing is all four of these guys are up front. To be fair, I've not seen enough of Johnson. Mm. But would you describe him as a kind of fox in the box kind of penalty box striker? Is that his game? Because certainly Muirhead, Watt, and Salmon aren't these kind of guys. Mm. They're more kind of creative players. Uh, well, not particularly Salmon's creative, but you know what I mean. Like, mm. As to exactly what you said earlier, Muirhead, Salmon, and Watt aren't exactly the kind of guys that get the end of the crosses and that. Muirhead's at his best when he's drifts in areas, you know, see the kind of role that Kenny Miller does at Rangers? Yeah. That's what Robbie Muirhead's best at, and obviously Salmon and Watt haven't really uh, kicked on for a season, but I don't know what Johnson is like as a striker. I've not seen enough of him. I know he's kind of big and athletic, but I don't know if that's He reminds me a bit of Osmond, so actually, that same kind of type of player, so maybe that's... I can't think of the goal he scored at the weekend. It was, it was quite... It was a nice goal, wasn't it? I think he was terrible. Um, he went through one. The, on the one. goal I remember, I think, was at a game a few weeks ago. Uh, I can't even remember who it was against. It's terrible again. Having Fartic Thistle, something like that. And he, he kind of nods it in at the near post. I think that was his first goal for Hearts. So he, he is, I think, capable of goals yeah. like that. Um, I think out of anyone there, you probably would describe him most as the kind of coach. Um, kind of natural striker. Um, there's an argument, though, that those two, Watt and Salmon, anyway, have been two of the biggest letdowns this season. Because you looked at them at the start of the season, I certainly thought when they signed those two that had the makings of a really good partnership in the Premiership and two goals. Yeah, Connor Salmon's 19 goals off the expectations. (laughs) (laughs) Plenty of time, yeah. (laughs) So um, I'm not sure if this is his first game back, but it was certainly. well, he, got, he was on the score sheet anyway. Aaron Doran um, mm. made a big impact for Inverness. A guy that you know has suffered and been somewhat kind of played with injuries the last couple of years. But um, how important is he for Cali going forward, Connor? Um, Aaron Doran. Because obviously he's a, he was a kind of mainstay of the team yeah, I mean, from the last few years, obviously, as in the cup final team. I always look back at Inverness and as a team. Um, they have to be playing. Um, there's no as a team rather than looking at individuals. I, I don't ever think that you. Very rarely, um, apart from maybe like say when they had, uh, you know, Billy McKay and people like this, you, you look at Inverness and say, you know, the team runs off an individual. I don't think they've ever been like that. Even when they had like some mild story as well, it's very much a. They need everybody on their game type thing mm. because I think, mm. with the best one in the world, Inverness don't have. Um, 
brilliant footballers, I don't feel. They've got a solid, hardcore team, which in many ways probably reflects Richie Foran in a number of ways, go back to when he was a player. Um, I don't think they'll ever, you know, go out and hammer a team necessarily. I'm not saying they won't score goals because they did that on Saturday, but... Um, Individual players, I don't think, really cut a mind when they, despite Aaron Doran being probably um, a, a big part of what is a needs to be a strong team and squad. Um, so, no, I mean, they'll be happy, I think, going away with a point against Hearts, albeit they're at home. And um, you do always fancy yourself to win your home games, I would think, especially with the league's kind of going this year, unless you're playing um, maybe a Celtic or Aberdeen type thing. But. Um, Speaking no. of Celtic and Aberdeen, we'll probably um, just leave this game at the moment. Um, a, you know, a, a very good game actually. This um, Tom Rodgers getting the only goal in the game uh, to win it for Celtic. Aberdeen came pretty close towards the end. Uh, the keeper was up twice. Um, Joe was up twice trying to uh, will them to get that point, uh, but in the end they couldn't get it. Um, is it as simple as this is it? That's the league over now and that. Celtic of, you know, uh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, I think if if there was any doubt, it was, um, perhaps about Celtic being able to go to places like Petardry and Tynecastle like they did in the opening day. And neither games were easy wins, by the way. They were both, um, especially uh, the opening game at Tynecastle. But Saturday, Celtic had the chances to kill off that game didn't do it but I think a, a good point was made last season under Ronnie Dyler it's a game that Celtic would never mind drawn probably have lost later on you look back at last season when Celtic went to Pataudry, um Paul Quinn nods in a goal in the, the last minute to win the game for Aberdeen similar scenes on Saturday with the, the cross I think in an almost identical area um, and Madison puts in a great ball um, it's actually Sviachenko that gets to the end of it, but this time the difference is Craig Gordon who was nowhere to be seen last year save, makes yeah. a brilliant save in the last minute um, I don't think even the most die-hard Aberdeen fans would argue that Celtic were deserved winners, the chances they created, um, albeit that it's been a bit of magic from, from Rodgers that's won the game uh, for Celtic on Saturday, but yeah, I think, what's the gap now? Uh, eight, uh, eight points, ten, something like that? Ten points from uh, from Aberdeen, nine points mm. from Rangers, we'll yeah, go until later. With yeah. a game in hand on both of them, yeah. so uh, I think only a fool would... Um, I would, uh, would say that yeah. there's any chance for any other team other than Celtic to win the league. There was incidents within the match. Um, the one that was kind of brought up in sports scene was the um, Simunovic pull on Shinny. Johnny, did you see this one? No, I've, no. I've not. The only thing I've seen is I watched the I seen the goal and I seen the last sort of twenty five minutes of the right. games. So I seen the uh, Joe Lewis going up and the Svitchenko back header, etc. But I've that's sort of the only thing I've seen. The, the point I would make about the game is I don't know why Madison's not started for Aberdeen. Well, I, I was about to go on to that. Yeah. But I'll, I'll just talk about it now. Um, McInnes, well, both Rooney and Madison mm-hmm. didn't start. Yeah. Do you think that this isn't a on like the first time that McInnes has tinkered with the team? Do you think this is? having an effect this season it seems to be a case of he's not really sure what his best 11 is just now mm. um, would you Rooney, think, think, think he's maybe second... a solve since Madison's came into the frame yeah uh, well, sort of a like I said there wasn't really a striker on the pitch for Aberdeen um, yeah. Stockley and, and Rooney were both on the bench I think I'm right in saying yeah. uh, and this isn't the first time Rooney's been dropped this season it's almost as if he doesn't seem to know what formation he, he wants to play and 
who's who's best players are. I th- I think Rooney should be starting for Aberdeen, but I also think Madison should neither of them have started. I, th- I um, think his idea was obviously Jack was put in there. I think he wanted to almost kind of flood the midfield, but um, which makes sense for me. Celtic, you're two kind of game changing players. Well. I suppose three if you include Hayes, but I put Rooney and Madison right up there mm-hmm. as players that can just change a game. You know, Rooney can get you a goal out of nothing. You know, Madison McGinn as um, well, I think so. And well, McGinn as well, yeah. He, but I think these players in big games against Celtic, where you know, if Aberdeen are realistically get any chance of winning the league, they had to have won that game, I think, and not to start them. I, th- I feel was a pretty poor judgment from McInnes. But I don't he, know about you guys. He you spoke know. about trying to turn the Celtic defence and put balls in the top, and I think that's yeah. what played into. Wes Burns starting the game uh, but I agree I mean the, the best player by a country mile this season has been James Madison uh, you see the things he does and he's he's almost uh, it's a funny thing to say for Aberdeen but he's almost too good for the league um, being at a club like Aberdeen because he's the things he does in the ball are brilliant and for me that's the kind of game he would thrive in I get the idea he brought him on against Rangers and obviously won the game uh, at Pataudry against Rangers but for me you've got to start your better players it's certainly from a Celtic point of view, looking at the game and seeing that Adam Rooney and Madison weren't starting, it certainly gave me as a fan a boost, and it probably gave the players, the defence, a boost, because you know Adam Rooney, if you're playing against him, you're going to have constant torment. You saw when he came on, he nearly gets head to a ball. Um, there was one, I think he was the one with, uh, just behind Sviachenko for the last one, with Sviachenko heads it away. He's forced to head at his own goal because Rooney's right behind him. So players like Adam Rooney worried defences Madison's the exact same you add in players like Hayes and McGinn as well um, I think it would be a, a good recipe for Aberdeen so I, I don't know it's a strange one I don't know the point was made in another podcast that it gives them an excuse after the game mm. I don't know if that's a um, oh, you go, Callum, subtle you point Sorry, it's maybe quite a controversial point here but I've seen a few I've seen a few kind of no rumours of it but kind of seen stuff in social media I don't think McGinnis has got enough trust in his players there I mean mm. you get you know, that's him. We obviously know any time you play the old firm, and I, I use that lightly just now because Madison did play against Rangers, because Celtic are far more got a bigger threat. But when you play against Celtic, you do somewhat change your philosophy against them. You know, you try to nullify Celtic, but the same way you should be still playing to your strengths. And him taking Madison and running out of the team doesn't play Aberdeen's strengths. That's virtually said. I mean, Madison's a terrific player with the ball at his feet, but he's not got to give you much, you know, defensively. For me, like obviously, like you know, because he's he's a player that needs the ball at his feet all the time, um, and that's him taking him out of the team to play somebody that's got to be more defensively secure. I, I don't think that's got to win you games against Celtic. I think you need to have to have a risk, and you need to play play players that are on form as well. For example, um, not to bring us into it, but after the form Killer Bally's on, I wouldn't want to go to Parkhead or Ibrox and take him out of the team for somebody else to a work course in the midfield. I think that's, he'll have to regret that, McInnes, because I think you need players, Madison's quality will win you games, as you've seen mm. against Rangers, and I think him not playing them doesn't show enough trust in his footballers. Especially for me when the players he picked aren't out of form at the moment. Yeah, Kenny exactly. McLean's been poor this season. Um, I think Wes Burns had a good start to the season but it's completely faded since then he did absolutely next to nothing on Saturday Ryan Jack I know he's had his, his injury troubles but he hasn't been a player for the last 18 months since he was probably. To, was it Roma he was linked to? <laughs> <laughs> Bizarre transfer rumour um, so that that's three of your three of your front six there who are out of form Niall McGinn hasn't done a hell of a lot Johnny Hayes for me is an exception um, 
But you can't go into a game against Celtic for me with passengers. And for me, on Saturday, in a big game, Kenny McLean was a passenger, Wes Burns was a passenger, Ryan Jack um, was a passenger in the main. Um, I thought maybe the only one that gave him a bit of drive was Graham Shinney in the midfield. But even he was kind of outclassed uh, by Scott Brown, who I thought had another good game for Celtic. Yeah, yeah. Um, we will move on now to... You're not going to talk about tonight's game. Oh, we probably should actually then. Yes. I, um, of course, Celtic uh, travel to the lovely city of Mutchen Gladbach for today's oh tonight's match against Borussia Mutchen Gladbach, a German team as uh, they love that part for some reason, even though it was pretty horrible. Um, there's been a lot of Celtic fans expected to go over. What are your guys' thoughts on the on the game? I'll ask uh, you, Craig. Um. I don't think I think Celtic have got absolutely nothing to lose in this game. Yeah. Uh, I've got to be honest though, I, I can't really see. I mean, Mission Gladbach are a team who are unbelievably their home record is is unbelievable, and I mean they they ran Barcelona close at home and and mm. uh, when they played them there. But I mean, as I said, Celtic have got nothing to lose. You've just got to go there and and try and try and attack as. Um, Callum was saying about the way Aberdeen didn't really try and use their best yeah. players against Celtic Celtic have got to do that against Munchen Gladbach Dembele Sinclair get these players in, on, and mm. Rogic as well who I think has been arguably key, I, I think arguably he's been Celtic's uh, best player this season yeah. in terms of creating uh, chances and scoring um, so I think aye, as I said Celtic have nothing to lose but um, it's it's a a big task to go over to Germany and play any team and, and get something. Mm-hmm. I'll ask Johnny as well, as somebody who is somewhat familiar with German football, how are Gladbach preparing for this match, do you feel? Um, are they expecting well, They've a been on bad, the Celtic result aside, they've not been on good form at all. Um, they've not they're scored, yeah, they drew 0-0 on Friday, they've not scored in four Bundesliga matches. There's a, there's a case to be made, I know, Andre Han played up front against Celtic and he he scored a goal for them. Yeah. He's he is a good player, but for me he's not a striker. Um, he doesn't guarantee goals, and Gladbach are a bit toothless. I, I was actually saying to I think I said to the both of you that um, I think Dembele could get a game for Gladbach. He's he's that good, um, but that's also a bit down to the fact that they don't have a uh, a striker, a fit striker that is that. that that's at that level, um, so they've got to use that against them, Gladbach, but uh, Celtic against Gladbach. But for me, it's interesting to see how they set up because they they paid you a lot of respect at Celtic Park playing the four two three one sort of shape yeah. with, without a, a recognised striker, two holding mids. They normally play three at the back, and it'll be interesting mm. to see if they go back to that tonight. And if they do, then I think you'll have a bit of, a bit of hope in in behind with. I personally, I would start Roberts, and I think him and Sinclair will, yeah. will, will, will have a good chance running in behind it. To see the long balls they played at Celtic Park, mm-hmm. big Vestergaard will get them every day of the week. Yeah. They've got to be more inventive. I think there is a, a kind of hmm? element of irony in the game tonight, the fact that Celtic are without four big players. Yeah. Um, very similar to Gladbach coming to Glasgow just what, two weeks ago. Um, they were missing four of their better players, and Celtic fans, I think, to a man... All thought Celtic were going to get the victory. Yeah. Um. Before the match, I was certainly confident. I know you were as well. Um. But I think going into the game tonight, uh, I think there'll be a similar attitude in Germany. Uh, whereas they'll be expecting uh, numbers tonight. To be totally honest, Celtic are missing four of their uh, better players, as you say. I think in terms of the actual players that are big misses, Tierney's obviously a, a miss. 
But in, in Emilio Azaguirre, you've got a, an able deputy who's experienced, more experienced than Kieran Tierney in Europe. He's played in the Champions League before. Um, I think your, your centre-back is a miss, but the fact you get Sviachenko and Lucy can cover in, I'd argue that right-back, where it'll probably be Gamboa, is the worst part of it for Celtic, because he looks like a player who's unsure of himself. And defensively, poor, I think he's very poor. Poor up in Dingwall. Yeah. Um, so I think he's, he's, for me, would be the main worry tonight, which is ironic, because... It's not a right-back that Celtic are missing, but it's the area of right-back. I don't think Griffiths is a, a miss because simply Griffiths wouldn't have started anyway. You'd argue him coming off the bench um, might be difficult, but chances are um, Dembele now will just have to go for the whole game, um, which he's capable of doing. Um, but I, I just think I wouldn't write Celtic off yeah. too much tonight. Mm. Uh, I don't think it's going to be... Um, Three or four, as I've heard some people suggest. I don't. I don't think Gladbach can play as well as they did in I Glasgow. Think, yeah, I go along with that. I think the key thing is that you know, as Craig kind of said earlier on, like the you know, Celtic got nothing to lose in this game, and you know, defensively, the performance of Gladbach in a home game, I think, as Johnny was kind of touching on, was. Um, Probably one of the best defensive performances I've ever seen. So mm-hmm. I can't. I don't expect them to to kind of play that way again with the four at the back and then two holding midfielders. Uh, I do expect them to be a bit more open. So perhaps there are some chances there for Celtic. But um, back to league duty, we will go and we'll look at. Um, Sorry to interrupt you again. I do want to talk about Motherwell. It's just uh, I think you should have mentioned the save. The save. The Craig Gordon oh, yeah. save. Joe Lewis. Lewis. Oh. Joe Lewis, yeah. Well, apparently Stephen Thompson is his greatest save he's yeah. ever seen in his life. May well be. What about and that one from uh, the French keeper where he tips it onto the bar? Aye, that's a, um, Coupe, isn't it? Saves Coupe, a rebound. That's absolutely Andy Gorham, I guess. Fan Hoy Donk. For me, obviously, it was, I'm sorry, it was about Al McGregor against Samaras. Yeah, it was a good save. Arthur Boric against AC Milan. The Sadoff free kick, he tips over. For me, like I, I prefer kind of <laughs> reaction saves, you know, kind of close range. Gordon it, Banks, Gordon Banks, yeah. Shelton. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's obviously a remarkable save for Joe Lewis. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm more a fan of you know, kind of like example Andy Gordon Van Hoydon kind of header. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the kind of save. So I, I wouldn't go as far as saying it's the best save I've ever seen. <laughs> So for the, the third time, we'll now go to... I'm just wondering Muddle. if you want to talk about Aberdeen's uh, title challenge. Aye, aye, let's just talk about that as well, aye, no worries. Um, of course, Motherwell deserve a lot of credit. They were getting a wee bit of... You know, people were starting to think, oh, maybe this was Mark McGee, maybe this is him being found out for what he is, and not at all. Um, it's now nine <coughs> games, nine Premier League, Premiership games that Ross County haven't won. Um that's quite an impressive start, isn't it, Cal? Yeah, uh, I think that we need to, you know, if we've got to give Mark McGee and Motherwell a bit of, you know, discrediting beforehand, I think that obviously Ross County winning nine games is is unbelievable, especially, you know, because they've not really been spoke about enough this season yeah. in terms of them underperforming. We all agreed that they would do very well to um, equal or better what they did last year. Uh, I don't think any has ever thought they'd have a season like they did um, last. But I think, well, obviously, to no one in nine games. I mean, if that were a, well, I'm not, I'm not trying to make this about us again. But if that was a command that we're doing that, everybody'd be the first ones with a gun saying, "Oh, I, I, this will be them doing this season." You know what I mean? And I don't Aye. mean you guys. I'm talking about in general. I mean, yeah. I mean the media and that. Always and a it, the, the same if it were Hamilton. <laughs> Um, and even Motherwell look at the stat Motherwell getting just now this is Ross it, if it was anyone apart from Ross County or, or Ross County yeah. the, 
they're doing all wrong, the golden you child. Th- see, even Inverness would be getting heavily criticised. I think it's because people see Ross County as this top six team, and I don't think they see him as anything other than that. Even though you know the results just don't show it so far, you know, on paper as well, maybe County look fairly decent, but you know, a lot of players are out. You've been missing all these players, and you know, what do you think? Do you think? Um, Somebody help me. Well, I, th- I, th- I think I think you can talk about players, players missing and that, but they've got mass resources there. I mean, they've got like let's not forget. I mean, Ross County have got money behind them as well. I mean, everything goes on a bit. Fair enough, them winning the cup and that was a mass massive for the community and that up there. But I mean, they've they've no bother success. I'm not suggesting that for a minute. But 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 not going on as if it's a wee fairy tale as after that that few club because they can pay they can exactly they can pay more money than ego driven fans. They can pay more money than Kilmarnock and Motherwell for for sure. Uh, so I mean, let's I, th- I think that deserves to be spoke about the the money they're paying just now and to no one in nine games is unacceptable. Here's so. four players that are playing in the game: Chris Bark, Liam Boyce, Ryan Dow, Michael Gardine. Well, they can get a game it pretty much. Yep. Uh, every other team in the in the league. So, so is it a case of the manager then? Do you think? I don't know. Well, why would why would you say that straight away? That's nine games. Yeah, he's a it? good manager. He is. A, maybe <laughs> that's just the whole oh he won a cup type pattern dripping into it. But right. I just I uh, I think he has a he's no doubting uh, McIntyre is a accomplished manager. I just I don't know. I think I, I was trying I was trying to look at reasons for Ross County um, not winning games, and I think it basically goes down to two very simple things: a they don't score enough. And B, they concede too much. I think they've got they've got two. It's not a good recipe. They've got two <laughs> two centre halves. Um, well, it's it's mainly uh, Davies and uh, Quinn that play. I think McEvely's a kind of deputy. Um, but you look at those two or those three. There's not a hundred yard sprinter in between them put together because they're they're not quick. So I think it maybe suits them. Possibly in games where they can sit in and defend, like you've seen them at Tynecastle. And Ibrox this season getting 0-0 draws whereas games like Celtic you saw on Wednesday when they lose the goal and they were good against Celtic but then they feel they need to have to chase a game and they can see three late goals now I know that's Celtic but I think the same happened on Saturday from what I hear Motherwell they lost the goal had to chase the game and then in behind them the pace let them in so I think their defence isn't quick that is a massive problem for them I think McIntyre actually said that they started the game quite well so maybe there is something in that that Mm. they just that's maybe a mentality thing Um. Move on to your team, Craig. The game you were actually at, you took uh, Cal Fisher's place. Yep. Uh, the Jinx. He was actually in the studio. We can see him. Uh, <laughs> I think not, you not saw more goals than Cal Fisher has all season. Uh, Ninety minutes. <laughs> um, can you sum up the game for us? Yeah. Uh, thought. I thought it had easily the uh, Rangers' best performance um, probably since uh, last season. Um, the semi-final against Celtic. I had to get it in, boys. Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I know, um, first half, uh, especially, Rangers came right out of the box. We could have scored literally within the first minute. Um, I thought uh, O'Halloran, the directness on on the wing. uh, Miller, who once again must have covered just about every blade on on the the grass in the park. And he puts a lot of, see the kind of younger players in the team, in terms of work rate, he puts a lot of uh, them to shame. I thought he was tremendous again. Joe Garner up front, uh, link up play, winning headers, um, 
and in the midfield and the defence were, were solid as well. So I think, yeah, definitely the best performance of the season. Having said that, Kilmarnock were really, really poor. Um, we'll go on so to that. Uh, they didn't really offer much apart from maybe two kind of half, half chances to score. Um, so uh, it was a pretty routine victory for Rangers in the end. I just go on at that, Cal. What was your no. opinion? Obviously, you, you weren't at the game. Um, no, I wasn't. Not a loyal fan. They were uh, <laughs> the races instead. Yeah. in your team. Yes, I was. Um, Glory Hunter. <laughs> the races, no, but I'd, like I say, I, I've only seen as much as the highlights. And uh, guys in the forums were saying, obviously, that the highlights didn't come on it too much justice, you know what I mean? It could have easily been, you know, five or six to Rangers in the first half. And. I just, it was, I think I said in the podcast last week, it would be classic commander to get into a game like this in the form that we are in, in the form that Rangers are in, for us to just collapse. I think that's what happens. I think we would have showed Rangers too much respect. I think that a lot of these guys coming up would have maybe been thinking, oh, getting to play at a ground like Ibrox, you know what I mean? And, you know, they're playing the, they weren't even playing the occasion. I was going to say they're playing the occasion, not the game. But it was just, I mean, I can totally understand it. I think that too many weak link areas. I think it left back's a big problem for me. It's not a popular opinion for commander sports, but I don't really rate the boy Greg Taylor too highly. Uh, I think he's been costly in too many games this season. Um, he, again, he virtually cost. He could have cost us a game against Rangers at home by the stupid tackle in Barton. Uh, but to be fair to the boy, I think he's actually a midfielder and he's been played at left back. But Halloran ripped on me shreds for what I've seen. McDonald was suspect for the first goal as well. I don't know what he was doing. He was giving Lee Wallace a full front post there to tame at. He was unlucky with the penalty, to be fair. I'm surprised they kind of get a touch on to it. But uh, it was just typical Kelly. But for us, we need to kick on again Saturday against Hamilton, and that's a massive game for, for where we are. So if we can win that again, everything should be okay. And, getting it full of fun because we need to start picking up points again Do you think we've judged Rangers too early? Um, we're currently sitting second nine points behind Celtic is that good enough or are we uh, are we being quite harsh on Rangers considering No um, I, I don't think so I think Rangers have been I would first admit that Rangers have been underperforming uh, pretty much up until this game in Saturday there um, but I think maybe uh, a bit too early but it's the nature of the beast isn't it playing at uh, a team like Rangers and Celtic, if you go a few games, even maybe two games without getting the right result, then it's a crisis. Mm-hmm. So, but I think a lot of the players in the team have been kind of underperforming. One player who I think hasn't maybe reached the same kind of level of performance as last season is Lee Wallace, mm-hmm. and uh, I think he probably knows that himself. As you see when he scored on Saturday, he was kind of as if he was kind of letting a bit of frustration. I will exactly so, and and he's not been. I know obviously Lee was a left back his job isn't exactly to score goals but um, he hasn't been as, mm. as effective uh, at left back for us and yeah, I thought he was brilliant uh, on Saturday maybe returning back to his former self so maybe I, th- I hope Rangers can kick on from that result um, I think I would say that the starting lineup on Saturday is maybe our strongest 11 yeah. uh, Barry Mackay for me hasn't been doing enough O'Halloran's came in and uh, without a doubt been that's I was about to go on to Halloran actually. Um, why is he featured so rarely for Rangers this year? Irish sounding surname. Perhaps. That's <laughs> got <laughs> absolutely nothing to do with <laughs> No, I, I, I think a lot of Rangers fans have been asking that very same question. And uh, even though last uh, last week against St. Johnson, the result was 
pretty poor and overall team performance was was really poor. But one player who you would maybe say deserves a bit of credit was O'Halloran. So he's came in these two games, been our best player. So I still everybody asking the same the question like why has he been featuring so rarely? So I think he will be be getting a good run of games in the team now, and he's a player who needs that uh, like to get a good run because he comes off the bench sometimes and he can't really get up to the pace of the game or whatever. So. I think he needs to get the running games in the team to, to maintain this. There was an interesting point made in the radio. I'm just wondering, asking you, the point was, if Rangers finished second on the final day by a point, would you take that? Oh, 100%. Yeah? 100%. I think we've got to be realistic about this. The aim for this season, if Rangers had finished second, I don't care the circumstances, as you said, like, yeah. we'd done it by a goal in the last day of the mm. season, I would, I would say that would be maybe, I don't know, like I would say, that would be a good season. Do you think the rest of the support would share that view? Nah, no. That, but the rest of the support maybe aren't as realistic as that mm. kind of thing. Like I do get the fact that we've came up and we've kind of spent, maybe not spent a lot of money, but like the wages that we are we're paying. Players, it's still miles ahead of everyone else. Yeah, exactly. So. so I think Rangers fans maybe are right to expect a, at least some sort of challenge that lasted more than what it did. Because <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day. Well, it's now, it's still got a game in hand. Yeah, yeah still got a game in hand as well. So, yeah, that's what so there you go. So, I mean, that is against a resurgent party for this one, isn't it? Oh, that nice nicely. Brilliant. Yes, of course, uh, Party Thistle, who with a late winner from uh, Gretna's uh, Gretna <laughs> legend, Abdul Osman, uh, beating St Johnston. A game, um, again, a lot of people kind of. Thought St Johnson would win pretty comfortably. Uh, not, not of course, the man sitting next to me, uh, Hamish Carton, actually correctly predicted this result. But um, yeah, it's, again, I've talked about this before. Like St Johnson have this kind of knack of um, just throwing points away. At, uh, you know, at home for some reason it was the same. Well, well, I suppose it was the same at Kamarnock because I don't think Kamarnock were great by all accounts, but um, they still got the points. Um, what is it? That, why why does St Johnston choke against teams that arguably should be beaten you think? I think it's wrong to have the attitude and this might sound silly but I think it's wrong to have the attitude that St Johnston should, teams. should yeah. be beating Partick Thistle the league table may be lying by saying that St Johnston are, are, on, are at the level of Hearts Rangers and Aberdeen and even Hearts Rangers and Aberdeen um, I would argue that there's not a massive massive gulf between teams like Partick Thistle on one-off days, especially a Partick Thistle team that was high in confidence after a good result at Dens Park in midweek. Um, I've kind of come up with a how to work out Scottish football now. I've finally cracked it. You just expect unexpected because it's the kind of game I looked at and I thought St Johnson, who are inconsistent at home against a Partick Thistle team, was something to play for. You, you wonder if, it sounds silly to say, but you wonder if motivation is almost a struggle for St Johnson. They've done everything they can over the last five years they've won the Scottish Cup they've finished I think third one season they've finished kind of best of the rest in most seasons behind the big three and there is definitely for me a glass ceiling they're not going to finish any higher than fourth this season no chance because over the course of the season Hearts, Aberdeen, Rangers and of course Celtic will be better than them get more points than them over the season so there's got to be for me some sort of motivation worries there. It's like it's like when a team wins the league every season, getting them going again the next season to do it again is always difficult. And I think Tommy Wright is good a motivator as he is. And again, it sounds crazy to say it, but I'm almost wondering if 
it's better that he moves on soon and gets him a new manager and gets things going again. Because, but don't get me wrong, it's been a good yeah. start to the season. They're still sitting what fifth place, four points ahead of the next best place team in Verness. Well, we have um, one points for Aberdeen and Hearts. Yeah, so. so maybe we shouldn't go overboard, but they could easily. Um, have been in second place at the moment if they've taken care of Kelly and Partick Thistle who, no disrespect, are teams who aren't uh, going to be rivaling St Johnson yeah. for fifth place. Uh, can I go on what you're saying? I think it maybe might just be expectation from the supporters. This is really a glory period if you think mm. of for St Johnson. Like they've never, like, you laugh, but like, you know, in their history they've been some sort of a kind of yo-yo team. They've been up and down the divisions. They've, you know, try to escape relegation maybe one year, but like, this has been a, a sustained period of you know consistently finishing in the top six and consistently getting good results and beating you know teams they might not be expected to beat on, on occasions. Obviously, they won the cup as well a few years ago. So um, yeah, maybe it is just the there's not that much expectation from the fans. Um, I think we do need to give a lot of credit to Thistle, but as well they're now seventh in the table, which probably tells you how tight things are at the moment. Um, they've got 13 points, uh, a good run they've been on. Um, Connor, seen seen us here. <laughs> you've not actually talked for the last um, half hour or so. Um, do you fancy giving your opinion on Party Thistle? I think, and then um, a surgeons. I think over the course of the season, we'll look at various teams in that level and we'll talk about our, our resurgence but I think let's be honest how 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 high are they going to go over the course of a season I think um, you know what's important for them is that when they are on form when they are playing well that they do pick up points because undoubtedly there will be another point in the season where they'll dip like they did just a few weeks ago Um these teams, I think, will all have their moment in the spotlight, shall we say. Will all have the moment where they kind of they take an upturn, they kick on, they maybe get a few points ahead. But realistically, I think right throughout the rest of the season, there will be a pack, and there'll be a pack that might break up for the odd week or so. But realistically, those kind of clubs will, will all um, fall into each other. And I think with Dundee picking up points, obviously, away to Hamilton, there really is not going to be a team... Um, cut adrift in my opinion um, yeah, by any more than the kind of four or five well certainly not a, 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 an amount that is you know, unachievable to claw back um, as you say of course Dundee got the got the win at Hamilton that that fortress super seal um, uh, probably going got the goal in the 62nd minute I think if anything this weekend's probably told us that um there's not really a clear relegation candidate as there was maybe last year with Dundee United. I think it's a lot more closer than people think. Um, is you know, what's your thoughts on this game? Do you, or do you feel that's a case, or do you think Dundee are still certainties to to, to face a drop, Johnny? Um, well, I think I should probably apologise a bit to to Paul Hartley because I was probably a bit <laughs> harsh on him, but I still, I, I still don't think Paul Hartley should be Dundee manager obviously we've got to give him credit for the win and it is it does take a lot to you know be bottom of the league by by that far and go to go to Hamilton and win they're still bottom of the league which just shows you how important that win was you know they could have been four points adrift at the at the bottom them and Motherwell have both done done very well to win um yeah, I, I totally agree what you say we could be in for probably one of the most exciting yeah, bottom halves of all time at this rate um, there's yeah. no team that's ever because the last few years it's been a bit 
the last few weeks of the season were kind of like right in the season might as well just end now you know um, last year at the moment there's five points of a difference between 6th place and 12th yeah I mean last year we had teams cut apart this year I think it'll be be totally different it's hard to tell it's almost like you know McGee and um, Hartley were both under big pressure they've both come out and win we're now looking for a manager, and I think this is why we're we're looking at Ross County because we're kind of looking for a team and, and McIntyre. Yeah. We're kind of looking for a team to go. Maybe he should be under pressure. You know, we're almost trying to pick managers that are under pressure here. This might be a totally crazy thing to say, but is oh there somehow a possibility this season where there could be a team, will be a team that gets into the top six and finishes with the lowest number of points in the league? We'd probably need to know what the. I'm, do, I'm just wondering, like, obviously they're, they're so tightly packed yeah. at the moment, I, ex- I expect to see it spread out a bit, but you're just wondering if, if it does continue to be this close, we are 12 games in, you've got to remember, um, every team's played each other, and if you could end up with a team getting in the top six and then losing all their top that half five, matches, five games though, and, so uh, that's 15 points, so it's something I, I just wonder, that would be just make an absolute mockery of our league. Uh, at the moment, certainly, you'd say there's a chance of... I mean, Inverness are in six at the moment. You're writing them out of the relegation battle. No chance at all. No. Any of those bottom seven teams, for me, um, could could feasibly finish bottom. I don't know if that your uh, prediction will come to fruition, but um, certainly very close between all these teams. Um, I'll just ask you, then, who do you all think will get relegated? That's what I was going to ask you to say. So right. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I, gonna, I'm gonna stick with Hamilton because I said him at the start of the year, but I did maintain that I think it's gonna be really, really tight, and it will just be a case of kind of numbers, really. One team has to go down. What do you guys think, Hamish? Oh, you know who I think. Um, oh, come on, look. I mean, I've taken a, drunk, bit, hey, taken a bit of uh, slagging. Yes, I have put the bottle down, Andrew. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I do think. I mean, I've said Kilmarnock will go down in Hugh Keevans fashion. I'm not going to deviate away from my opinion until it's mathematically impossible of Kelly going down. Um, nothing has really changed. Kelly, if I'd been on the show on Thursday, I'd be giving Kelly credit for the... I said to Kelly Carlyle, the three-game run they went on, they should have beaten Inverness, and they did beat um, St. Johnson and Hearts. Really good results. Um, for me, though, I, I still worry about Kelly. I, I think that... Um, Oh, I've, I've documented all the points I don't think they scored enough goals I think you could see uh, the likes of Koulibaly away in January possibly uh, and I, I think the defence for me is still suspect um, when it really counts so f- for me yeah uh, Kelly uh, and I think <coughs> I think you could well see a Dundee derby in the, the playoff What about you Carl? I think uh, the only way Koulibaly will be away in January is if he's at the African Cup of Nations oh, <laughs> <laughs> He did say when he signed he was hoping to get more caps for uh, Ivory Coast and, or, or Italy for that matter. Do you know where the Cup of Nations are taking place this year? Uh, no. <laughs> don't know, just uh, I just was I thought there was going to be some kind of joke there. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know, like I say, I really can't put, well, I'll have to uh, put one club to, to the sword here, but really, I mean, we we could go down easily. I, I, don't, I don't dispute that. I don't think we will, but we can. Uh, but I'm going to go with Dundee again. I think uh, I backed them to win at the weekend. I know they were would come out of traps after, you know, some really really bad results recently. Um, but I just think I think that's only kind of papering over the cracks at the moment. So, <laughs> uh, so we'll see what happens. For me, I don't think Dundee have got enough uh, 
people talk that they've got goals in the team. I don't think they do. I think they're kind of forward players are too similar. They don't have a, you know, a kind of striker that was moaning about earlier, kind of fox in the box. They've not got a boy or anything that, that we have. Um, so I actually, I think Dundee may well be a team that finishes at the bottom of the table. Johnny? I'll change my prediction because at the start of the season I said Inverness would come bottom. But I think Dundee will probably come bottom now. I can just see it. It's just sort of, it'll be up there with the Hibs thing. Not quite as good, but the way they sort of celebrated Dundee United going down last season, I can just see them swapping places now. Um, and I think Inverness have done enough to prove me wrong. I think they're up in the top half. Um, I know, we know how we know how tight it can be, but Inverness have really impressed me the last the last month and a half. So I'll, I'll not be be stubborn on that, and I'll say that I'll change my prediction to to Dundee. Connor. I might be wrong, but uh, I think I remember calling Inverness to go down. And I think, you know, because I remember the first few weeks and thinking, oh, well, have we got this right? Um, but to be fair, they have improved. I don't know that they're, they're going to be clear of any danger. In fact, I don't think they will be. But I think they've got enough um, solidity in there. Uh, their manager... Despite still being young, seems to know how to set up a team. If nothing else, but to not lose uh, matches, I wouldn't say goals because they have still lost goals, but not not to lose matches, um, and that will probably come good. My point last week was always Hamilton's easy team to pick. I'd like to stray away from them, but there's something pulling me towards them because I just can't see Partick. I just can't see Partick Thistle dropping in. I think Dundee actually will kick on. Um, so how about then? Yeah. Who else is down there? Well, What's your team? Kelly, Motherwell, Ross County. Mm-hmm. Ross County are team. I, th- I think I, I, for me, Kilmarnock will be fine. Um, Based on what? Just wondering. I just I I I think Lee Clark has yeah. got enough about him that even if they were to lose Killer Bally or anybody in January that. We are somewhat pressure for time. Yeah, I think he's got an I think he's got an intelligence <laughs> about him that <laughs> you know maybe come January he might have to reassess and say instead because I felt the players brought in it was very much to try and bring in a, a, a brand to excite and to to entice. Sometimes if push comes to shove, come January if he thinks they're going to be bothered, it can just be a case of get players in that are solid that are going to do the job and and that's it. Connor, your um, team. <laughs> So I'm, I'm left between the two of Ross County and Hamilton. Ross County, I think, have enough in a squad to, a thesis to, be, able on to, this? <laughs> to be able to research proposal to for Jens. And again, I think the manager comes down to it. What really alarms me about Hamilton, and I'll be honest about this, I'm impressed with Martin Cannon, and I've been impressed with the squad to an extent when I've seen them, but. Last season, I distinctly remember how quickly that place turned into mm. just total dourness. Do um, and there's only so many times, I think, in a, a path where you can get away with it. I would also argue, if there is a team that's of the clubs that kind of go up and down and it's maybe there, you know, they've, they've had their four or five years maybe back, it could, you could argue that, um, <laughs> that, that this might be it. I don't think there's a clear candidate at all mm. but after looking through all of that um, if a club I was to name would be Hamilton 
Thank you. Uh, Craig, he gives a shot or somebody. Dundee. Well, to be honest with you, I've probably changed my mind on this about two or three times already this season. I thought at the start of the season, Partick Thistle were for the drop. Um, and then I thought Hamilton, and I'm sorry, Callum, but after Saturday, uh, uh, Kilmarnock have kind of came in a wee bit. Don't say that, Craig, don't say that. <laughs> don't dogs abuse and Twitter. Be, I've got to be honest, though, I, that's the poorest. Having watched any all Rangers games this season, Kilmarnock was the poorest performance. But surely you've seen the performance at Rugby Park oh. between Kilmarnock well, and Well, I know that. That's absolutely true. Kilmarnock deserved probably more from the game than than just the point that that night but um, I think it's going to come down to who's going to score goals between Kilmarnock and Dundee and if it's going down that way you've got Chris Boyd to proven goal scorer Kula Bally as well Kilmarnock will need the kind of players to, to step up to the plate and Dundee I just don't see anybody of that class in, in their team Fair enough so we'll oh very quickly sorry mate um, Connor made the point on Thursday's show uh, that Dundee have goal scorers I went, I went to dispute that at the time Hellback 2 has never scored goals in the top flight in League 1 and Rory Loy has never scored goals in the top flight for me and I get the fact they are goal scorers but at a lower level I don't think Dundee I don't want to I know you're tight for timeless I don't want to go right into it but I don't think Dundee do have genuine goal scorers certainly no. not and you might throw back at me and go Greg Stewart and uh, Hemans the two that shall not be named um, came yeah. from lower level but they did it in the top flight. I don't think that El Bactui or uh, Rory Loy are going to score the goals to keep Dundee up. Not like Boyd or Cooley, uh, Bally could do, mm. even though I still think... I'm not going to allow you to re- <laughs> rebut that. You. That's just a statement that is standing on its own. Um, we're going to look now to the Championship um, and to your team, Connor, that suffered a horrible loss against Dundee United. A fantastic goal from Dunlan in the 82nd minute. Got the result for the, the tangerines, the Arabs, if you're allowed to say that anymore. Um, what was your thoughts on the game, Connor? Obviously being there. And um, I think. And you were there as well, weren't you, Hamish? Yes, he was. I should um, ask you. I think it was two teams who are very much looked quite similar to me. You know, I, the, One was an orange. Both seemed to, <laughs> both seemed to you know. Uh, kind of hit off against each other for large parts of the kind of opening period of the first half I thought the game was a bit scrappy um, neither side could really take control because both seemed to be both were just kind of going at each other but with nothing really fruitful coming in front of either either goal um, towards the end of the first half I felt Falkirk were on top um, I thought they grew into the game had more of the midfield and going forward a um, couple of chances albeit from a slightly longer range out um, then you kind of get into the second half I thought again started quite scrappy but again nothing between the two teams uh, Falkirk then I feel um, kind of played a, a game in the sense that there was but we still had chances. Um, obviously, Luke Lee came close, and there was a couple of kind of half chances. Dundee United though managed to kind of exploit. I felt more of the wing space and push up the parts slightly more. But again, I have to be honest and say that, that neither side to me really looked like um, they were going to go on and win it. And being totally honest, at the point of which Dundee United scored, albeit they maybe had a couple of chances just before. Um, I felt personally that 
with the Falkirk, the pressure that we were able to get. I think it shows in the way the goal was lost at, at the time when the goals were lost. The two, you know, you had a full back up, the midfielder right on the edge of the United box, really pushing forward. And that sense of it kind of caught Falkirk out in the end. It was a quick break up the park, um, which Dundee United, to their credit, exploited and finished. But then even after that, uh, Bob McHugh had an effort, Lee Miller hit the post, uh, there was a couple of kind of longer uh, throw-ins into the box. Mm. I felt it was very, very tight. I, I don't think it would be particularly fair on either side to say that they deserved to win the match. Uh, and for that reason, I thought it was a little bit harsh that they um, didn't leave with a point. I think I described it in the report as a big victory for Dundee United. You got the impression mm. of the celebrations after the game that it was a massive result for them and the fans realised that. It's the first time I felt that feel-good factor at Tannadice. Admittedly, I don't go to many Dundee United games, but it's the first time I felt that feel-good factor in a good couple of years. Um, there was certainly the team, the fans are totally behind the team. They didn't get restless, which I thought was quite interesting, really. If you compare it to how the Hibs support would get restless in that situation or Rangers support last season would have got restless at 0-0, 80 minutes. The Dundee United fans were, I don't know if that comes from being a slightly smaller club, less expectation or whatever, but they were very much still behind the team. And um, I, after seeing Dundee United on Saturday, I could totally see them winning that league. Um, I don't think there was a, a massive gulf between the teams. I thought Falkirk were worthy of a point, to be honest. But I also think that either team could have won it as well you're right now sitting in second place uh, three points off top place Hibernian Falkirk meanwhile two defeats in the bounds 17 points fifth place it's all going wrong for your team Con, unfortunately um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think as I said <laughs> towards the end of last week um, you know it's the first time I looked this morning. It's the first time I've had back back defeats in about eighteen months or so. Um, I don't think it's of grave concern, only for the fact that um, it'd be different if we'd gone and and got hammered on Saturday. You know, we very much were in the game, um, and I think there's still so much football to be played. Oh, but apparently Celtic have won the league though. That so other than the Premiership, it was a different league. <laughs> well, um, still. And I think I don't see what, what? the relevance to that is. Well, we're all, we're all saying Celtic have won the league and that's it gone away with. So is, is, it, is it too early? Right, to potentially twelve points. Clear. I don't know, Connor. I think this is cottons for your team. <laughs> How many points um, off top? Uh, Falkirk. Uh, hang on. So this is Hamish's laptop. We're having some issues. For yeah, the let's Wi-Fi. play Hamish's laptop. Man. Falkirk are woofed. A whopping woofed. seven points off the top. Rangers are nine points off the top, but the league is over. In that league, but not over in the championship, of course. <laughs> Hibs um, with a 2 0 victory at, uh, against St Mirren. Um, meanwhile, Morton uh, beat Air 2 1. Morton and St Mirren both play each other. Um, I think, is that tonight? Yes. That game? Um, all, <laughs> all signs point to a St Mirren victory, don't they? No. Or do they? No. Not at all. Uh, I think St Mirren will win tonight. Surely, surely, wait, if Morton are going to win this derby, and of course it's well documented they've not won it in I think 16 years or something, yes. it's going to be now where they've, you know, this season they've been so impressive, they have, you know, reached the semi final of the Scottish League Cup. Um, surely it has to be now that they're going to beat this poor St. Man's side that got beat 
pretty comfortably by Hibs at the weekend. No. No. Because That's uh, how Scottish football works. They were up against a ten man Ian Murray team and still couldn't do it. So that's all the proof you need. Um St Mirren will win tonight. Okay. Do you want to give after the the tapy month? Yeah, so month and the price. So, so stick a hundred quid in that, and you're looking about <laughs> double chance, folks. No, just some to win. No, minus one if you want. Fine, no, I, I oh think some man to win one nil. Uh, Ross Clark's away at the game tonight. He doesn't think they will. Um, I don't know what you guys. Oh, see, speaking to Ross, I asked him what what he thinks the St Mirren crowd will be. He said there was only about five hundred or something tonight. That surely can't be right, can it? Five hundred for a derby game. I think they'll take. Champions League night, but this is the biggest game I for I, them, isn't it? I think minimum you should be talking eight hundred midweek there. I think they, I think I think they should take more thousand maybe. That's what I think. Uh, that's what I'm saying. minimum eight hundred. How many does that stand hold? Oh yeah, four thousand. Easy, easy four thousand. Standing up because uh, I'm sure when we played in the cup, uh, the game we were talking about earlier, uh, certain Chris, Chris Templeman <laughs> scoring twice against us and Paul McGowan as well. I think I think we must have had about two and a half, three thousand there that day. You know what I mean? And the stand still wasn't full. You know, scary stuff. Um, we will. <laughs> other other results in the division: the Barton drew with the Fairman two Yon. each. Yawn? Just that game. That game? Well, not, not the actual <laughs> game, but the teams and that kind of yawn. It's <laughs> quite disappointed me yeah, this season. Yeah, they've not been great at all. Higher than us, like, not to kind of say I told you so kind of stuff. Well, I didn't actually say that. I tried <laughs> to give my a fair crack, Alan Johnson, but I told you this season would define him as a manager. And they've got, I mean, look at the calibre of player they've got there, you know, Higginbottom, Reese McCabe and that, you know, these are the guys that only got to be cheap. Nicky Clark, Gavin N- Riley. Nicky Clark, Gavin Riley, yeah, absolutely. I, I uh, also said uh, the season would define Gary Ock as a manager and his team got a 1-0 victory against Queen in the South, a late winner, courtesy of Stuart. But as I've said, that's obviously because man. of uh, Darren Jackson being there with them. Mm-hmm. What's happened to Queen of the South, Connor? <laughs> Dead air again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think... Um, don't get me wrong, they started the season well and they've got a, a decent championship team, but I don't think it was Three ever losses a, on the bounce. I don't think it was ever a team that that being actually top of the league and, and a couple of points clear, I don't think it was ever really um within their their targets or or, or even their thoughts to be honest. I think the way it worked out, brilliant for them, but their target this season would have been playoffs. Um it's going to be tight because, you know, we, we expected Wraith Rovers maybe to fall away. They haven't. Um, and there is probably now five or six teams in there that are that are going for four places. I don't think it'll be as... as I think, in my opinion, my biased opinion, is that um, there's probably going to be about three teams going for one place, um, in my opinion. Uh, I think you've got your top three and that. I think after that, you know, you'll see Morton, Queen of the South and Race Rovers all vying out for that four spot. Eventually, undoubtedly two of them's going to be disappointed, but I just, I think they'll be in that pack. Don't we're on losing three games in, on the bounce um, is something that will be greatly concerned, but what won't be of concern was the performance they put in on Saturday because... Um, if any team matches they have to win that game it was probably them Ray scored with their only shot on target in the 90th minute um, so you know Gavin Skelton it's a bit of going from such a high to such a low will be tough to manage within the changing room in the club 
but people need to take a step back, realism, where they are in the division, um, and I'm sure it won't be too long before they get back up winning again, but um, I would go as far as to say they will not go back to winning on the same lines and the same number of games as what they have done. Gavin Skeleton. Oof. <laughs> Halloween. Halloween. I think that uh, yes, happy Halloween to any of these those people out there that oh, well, I hope they enjoy their Halloween anyway. Um, week one, having a mare today, sorry folks. Um, week one, probably the the biggest result of week one was of course Livingston's three 0 victory away to breaking that intimidating hedge. That um, was it you that described that, uh, Cal? No, it was you that said yeah, intimidating you. hedge. Oh, okay, it was me that said it, but I think it was you that was uh, talking or, 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 or described their, their ground and how it wasn't intimidating in the first place. Um, well, then that uh, hot, fiery atmosphere uh, with those uh, feisty ultras, they managed to get the three points. Um, Livingston, what's your, what's your opinion? Obviously, you've, you've seen them this year, Hamish, that was yeah. a good result for them, do you feel? Yeah, it was another one of my ones that I called on Saturday. Um, I don't know. Did I same top of the league now. Uh, two points ahead of Brecon and four points ahead of Alloa. Brecon have got three defeats this season. I think they've all come against either Livingston or Alloa. If I'm right in saying so, Livingston twice and Alloa yeah. once, Johnny. Yeah, so, um, certainly the two one. I was at that game at uh, the Tony Macaroni. Proves that they maybe struggled mm. to play against the best teams. Mm-hmm. I think Brecon's. They're just aiming for the playoffs and uh, they weren't even aiming that high. I don't think at the start of the season. Uh, everyone seems to think it's a two horse race between Livingston and Aloha Aloha obviously they've had the turmoil with Jack Jack Ross leaving Um, I'm not certain I think Jim Goodwin's gotten playing well defensively but a 0-0 draw at the weekend uh, with Albion who another team that will be there or thereabouts Mm. Um, but for me no Breakin will just be despite the fact that they're second right now the playoffs is a massive achievement for them Yep. Uh, elsewhere in that division our their nearest, well not nearest actually, of course that's Brecon, but uh, nearest to Brecon and Livingston, uh, they drew 0-0 with Albion Rovers, um, Airdrie have now got 17 points, they're 3 points off Alloa, with a 1-0 win away to East Fife, maybe my prediction might come true, maybe they might actually win that league, probably not, uh, Peterhead won... Elaborate on that further Hamish. Mark Wilson's a new... Airdrie manager he's your friend um, he'll be working alongside his good old pal from Super Scoreboard Gordon DL uh, which is quite funny because I was saying to Dinosaur yes Calm Scott um, <laughs> are you laughing though? I was saying to Mark Wilson about um, <coughs> when he was linked with the Alloa job even though there was no contact between him and Alloa uh, and one of the questions I asked him was uh, you're looking to get into management obviously is one of those reasons to get away from Gordon DL on the Thursday so um, quite ironic that he will be alongside his good friend uh, at the Excelsior. Because I think it's... Um, I wonder if how that's gone about. Do you think he's been... Do you know Connor? No. Do you think... Well, don't put your hand up then. Do you know... Uh, <laughs> I, I wonder, wonder if uh, Gordon Dale has Would perhaps you? recommended him. Yes. Or Connor, what do you want to ask? No, no, I wasn't going to ask, but... Well... Uh, well, two, two points. Of course. Gordon Dale's been in there doing a football review for the past two, three weeks. Um, so it would come as no surprise if that is his recommendation to go for Mark Wilson. Yeah. But I think this um, view that is it the kind of the puppet on the strings type thing, is it the whole kind of, you know, no, because a lot of people do that whenever a, a football director's appointed, you know, at, 
who's making the decisions. Well, the fact that Gordon Dale is still going to be on Clyde Super Scoreboard on a Saturday afternoon, I think, tells its own story. Is Mark um, Wilson dancing to Gordon Dale? I don't think the, the, the club statement. <laughs> I don't think the club statement out help because it was insinuating like he was first team coach and uh, he would, you know, at the end of the day. Come a Saturday afternoon, Gordon Dale isn't going to be watching the game, so who's making the decisions? It has to be Mark Wilson. Um, and I don't think people often read too much into these appointments. You know, At the end of the day, you, you need, when you're putting a young manager in, taking a full-time club who's gone full-time for the first time in what, six years, um, you need to have some sort of experience in there with them. But whether that for the League One, that you're not looking for maybe an older manager to come in because... Essentially, Airdrie going full time need to get out of that league, and you probably do need a young, expansive manager. Um, but let's be realistic; these guys all need help and guidance. And with a club set up to hopefully continue to grow, it makes sense. It's obviously a partnership; they've got a good um, understanding of each other. Um, they've obviously spent time with each other through other roles. Um, I think it'll work. I don't think there's any really people are scoffing at it and all that. How, what's the time frame you give Airdrie for this kind of plan they've got, this full time plan? And obviously they they get a good deal with the council in regards to training facilities and stuff, but that's not gonna last forever, is it? They, there is a kind of a limit or a time that they need to eventually get up to the championship again. I would think I, I would think it, there must be maybe that's a guess, but I would say three-year plan probably. Um, I think I think it should be they should be challenging by next season. Yeah, challenging the, by next the season. Title. and then if they don't get up, it has to be a year after. Yeah, it's not a particularly daunting league if you get it right. Let's be honest, I mean, it's a good league, but it's a decent league. But if you get it right, and a full-time club in that league get it right, you should. Scoosh it, you saw what Dunfermline did last season. But I think even now, where you don't have a Dunfermline, you don't have a Queen of the South, you know, established teams that have went down to that division yeah. that maybe even should be doing better, really. yeah. even air as well, you know, maybe this should have been the season. That I, I don't think so, because I think Alloa and Livingston managed to recruit. Um, there's obviously the parachute payments for coming down, um, and there's not obviously, they're not a lot in comparison. We talk about parachute payments in the, in the Premiership, but nothing compared to that. But they have managed to recruit. I think, you know, the Dumbarton factor seems to have shown with Alloa when Jack Ross was obviously there. He's managed to take some of the players that he had with championship experience. Livingston managed to retain quite a few of their players as well as adding to them. And I think it shows that you do get on one-off cup games shocks, but the the top we talk about, talk about the gap between Premiership to Championship. I, th- I think there's a, a genuine gap between Championship mm. to League One that probably can't be underestimated, um, and isn't probably highlighted as much because these games don't come around. And even if Albert or Livingston were to beat um, Dumbarton in the cup this year, say it wouldn't be as big a shock probably as. Um, a low form Premiership team getting beaten by a Dundee United, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the way you need to look at it. Um, but no, they, they have to get up eventually. That's the whole point yeah. of going full time, no doubt about it. It's to give them that sporting advantage. Um, but it's up to them to harness that. It will not happen overnight. What you do worry about is 
and I still go back to it, this 10,000 seat arena with however many hundred fans in it. They've put, uh, they've put shots on some of the seats now. That was just a one off. That was for a charity venture. Well, I saw it in the weekend as well. So. Yeah, some sort of charity. Maybe there's another charity. It's not, thing, it's, not, it's, not, it's not like the blow up puppets that they put on the seats. That, puppets? Uh, <laughs> they're obsessed <laughs> with puppets. <laughs> blow up. Blow up. Uh, <laughs> I also know the name of the podcast. Dolls thing. Uh, <laughs> Do you right, we'll just move on. Um, elsewhere in the division, Peter Head won 2 0 against Stranra. Uh, Willie Gibson, your friend, Johnny, he was set off in this game. Uh, Rose McAllister yeah. was going on the score sheet. Um, hopefully he wasn't spitting yeah. on people. I know he was the hopefully, one that was being yeah. spat on. Uh, hopefully that wasn't the reason he got sent off. He was reacting to that. Um, Queen's Park lost a vital relegation encounter with Stenhouse Muir. 3-0 at home. A real kind of shocking result for... For Queen's Park, there are they? Mm. Well, they're still, um, I think they're still a point ahead of Stenhouse yeah. Muir. Yeah, <coughs> but it was, a, it was a must win for Stenhouse yeah. Muir. I think it was a bigger game for them than it was for Queen's Park. Without sounding cocky again, it was another one of my games Aye. that I, I almost knew for certain that Stenhouse Muir would win that game in a strange way. It was lock, it was lock of the century, free money. lock of the century, Stenhouse Muir away. At, aye in the bag before it even kicked free off money. Yeah. free money but I think they were a good place as well uh, on Saturday I just I felt it was a bigger game for them and I think it is between those two teams I think we all the relegation thought well, it looks like Peter Head who you just it. touched on there have started winning games mm. uh, and I think Queen's Park and Zenith will be the two battling it, battling it out for um, 10th and 9th uh, this mm. season but I'm delighted for Zenith Muir and Brown Ferguson as well Good friend of the show. It's such really, a weird situation at Steny with the way they they dealt with Brent Ferguson sort of being under pressure by giving him a contract. But it's it's actually hard to tell if it's paid off because they've been beaten 5 0 and then they collapsed again against uh, Breakin at home when it was looking okay and yeah. uh, they led. But they seem to have these sort of. There's just be like three or four goals in like 15 minute spells. It's just they're the weirdest team. But um, they seem to be better away from home as well than they are. Than, than they are at Oakleview. Queen's Park a very young team as well so mm. it's interesting to see how they'll mm. react to being under the cosh because they've had it pretty easy in a way in League 2 last season they were always up the top end of the table so being down in ninth place thumped at home by the team directly below them it'll be interesting to see how I don't even know how they've got next week but it'll be interesting to see how they uh, react Bounce to that back. being such a young team Bounce yeah. back ability Indeed uh, League 2 probably the game that kind of stands out is uh, Forfar and Edinburgh Edinburgh were uh, about 20 minutes or so away from uh, a famous win against Forfar who they th- I think they've played now three or they will be playing them three times in nine days or something like that mm. um, one each was the score um, will Edinburgh get their, their final result soon Johnny will they ever win a match will they ever win a match um, I actually fancy them to get I know it's the cup tonight, but I think they'll. I don't know if they'll win in ninety minutes, but I think they'll win the tie. Um, I would back them. There's something about it. This this sort of. I know it's first v last, but it hasn't seemed like that. You know, they've drawn their last two games, and I don't think there is. There's maybe something to, to this thing where nobody wants to be the first team beaten by Edinburgh. I don't think there's that much of a gap between Edinburgh and, and the other teams at the bottom end of that of that division. Um, I don't know. You've you've seen them in the flesh. They're maybe they're maybe not as 
not great going forward. Um, I thought, I mean, they, they had a striker, uh, I think it was, his name was C, who was... Um, C? C, BT. C, yeah, indeed. <laughs> I, no, uh, he, he was, he, he looked uh, quite good and apparently was, uh, I think he was C. a top scorer. That is, yeah. <laughs> S-E-E. It's a weird one. Um, yeah, it was a very weird name. He was, he was quite a tanned fellow, but... Um, I think that, that, I would say that, but... <laughs> I would say about... Um, Do you have an eye for goal? Uh, <laughs> Edinburgh this season is that if, if I don't think anyone in that the bottom of that league is going to have much chance in the playoff because I think East Kilbride are top of League Two standard team and we we all know about their unbelievable uh, flawless unbeaten record which matched Ajax's of the eighties or whatever it was. Yeah, so, I knew we were going to touch which on is this. Um, which is mm, that is real not the not case real. because in one of the games they they won on penalties and. <laughs> Technically, when you win on penalties, you don't actually win the unless match. You're unless you're Rangers, of course, and then you can uh, <laughs> go on about how you bet Celtic forever and ever and ever. So Craig's head kind of pipe up there. Um, we will talk now quickly to the Scottish Cup games. Uh, East Stirling were beaten by Annan oh, two one. Look at Callum looking annoyed. For no Martin. credit yet again for Forrest, <laughs> uh, despite a great win. For Martin, beat uh, Banks of D seven two. And uh, Bucky Thistle beat Gretna 6-2 away from home. That's a, a bit of a trek for them. But mm. without a doubt, the, the tie of the of the replays was, of course, Forrest Mechanics, who swept aside Cumberland Coats 4-0 to get into the next round where they will face Stenhouse Muir at Mossett Park. Johnny, mm. you were not at this game, but you were at the, the other leg. Was that the first, the, the first round, yeah? Um, well, the first high and to be honest with you I thought it was the Cumbernauld were a bit you describe them as a bit of a kicky team you know they're, they're a bit dirty uh, mm. they've got quite a young team I think their average age was only about 22 but yeah they're a very dirty team there was last season like I said there was sort of we left East Kilbride thinking right see you in a week we'll enjoy this um, all the friendly atmosphere that you get with, with sort of low teams in the in the cup there wasn't any of that at Cumbernauld they didn't, they didn't, the two teams didn't like each other Um Sort of a bit of argy bodgy and stuff like that after the game, but so I'm, I'm quite happy with put, we've, we've put them in their place this season because they are, a, I think they're fifth in the Lowland League and Forest are eleventh in the in the Highland League, so they they should be a better team than than Forest and we're technically better away from home normal normally. Um, in terms of the Stenhouse Muir game, I do I, I, I'm worried a bit because Steny seemed to be better away from home. I'd fancy the chances probably more if it was at Oakview. Um, With that raucous forest away support, yeah. Oh, there'd be there'd be a good six hundred down at Oakview probably. That whole terrace behind the goal would be stacked. But um, <laughs> no, I do. I don't know. I'm going to come out and say we'll we'll beat Stenhouse Muir. We're we're just when you think about it, we're only probably we'll probably be about five to one. So five to one and a bit of luck away from a tie with the old farm. That's the way I'm looking at it, yeah. from a forest point of view. The dream is still alive, um, but the dream is slowly dying for Connor Park in the predictions <laughs> as he got uh, a, a horrendous four points at the weekend. Uh, I didn't get much better to be fair. I had five. Um, Connor didn't uh, predict any results correctly, um, but the unanimous winner of the of the round was Hamish, who got ten points. He correctly predicted uh, Rangers Kilmarnock. He said three 0 Rangers, and a real I uh, one that deserves a lot of credit actually. Uh, St Johnson and Partick Thistle. He said two one to Partick Thistle. So congratulations for that one, Hamish. Uh, other correct results. 
Um, Ross correctly predicted that Morton would beat uh, Air 2-1, uh, as did uh, Callum Fisher. Uh, and Johnny, you correctly predicted the 4 for Edinburgh one, which is actually deserves a lot of credit as well for that one. Thank you. I thought I'd be holding on and getting a wee one there, but it wasn't to be. Um, the t- the points tally now... Is um, I not predicting D to beat Hamilton 1-0? Huh? Or was it, I'm sure I backed in D to Nope. No, you didn't. What the back then? 2-1. So 2-1, I don't you? Alright. So you, nice try. You, you predicted the result, right? But you can't get that by me. Um, I'm too smart for that <laughs> sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, and, and still still in the lead at the moment, but only just. Um, Connor with 78 points. Uh, right behind them on his coattails is Hamish with 72. Then we have Johnny Clark with 69. Uh, Matt with 68 oh, oh sorry uh, Calm as well you're also on 69 you are level with Johnny you looked at me there and discussed uh, Matt with 68 myself with 65 Ross with 63 and Cal Fisher bottom of the table the Derby County Premier League um, of this uh, of this prediction league with 61 points um, a little bit harsh Maybe yeah, not, not I really suppose. But then, d- then, to be fair, Ross also um, missed a week. So, uh, yeah, probably deserves a bit of credit for that. What's um, happening here with, with Craig? Are you coming into the, the Predictions League? Well, it's a wee bit. Quite a gap to, to late, bridge, I mean, yeah. Wait, no, you, get no a, you start on 50. I'd say we'd be 50. a... Aye, 50. You're still 11 behind, but still... I would say you get a chance of winning at that rate. I fancy yeah. it. <laughs> Go for it. What was the uh, geezer goals this week, Johnny? Of interest, um, you know the, the script. I do. Um, Matt won with incredibly with a nine goal thriller between For Martin and Banks of D. And by the way, if you get time, watch one of the goals, and that showed it to Lewis from For Martin. It's absolutely it's Barcelona esque. Yeah. It's the best goal, one of the best goals I've seen all season. Um, I've very somehow good team only technically. yeah, technically very definitely gifted. very good passing team. Uh, somehow I've I got second place, won eight goals between uh, <laughs> Bucky and Gretna. Somehow still didn't win. Um, there's another great goal in that game by the way a wee scoop from the Bucky boy who somehow scored 5 despite his team being down to 10 men um, uh, Connor got through with a 3-0 win for Breakin I think it was uh, a 3-0 win for Livingston at Breakin um, Fisher a 3-3 draw between Inverness and Hearts ending his sort of streak of 1-0s and Hamish somehow was out with 2 goals despite the fact that Callum's gone through with but three one nils, you've gone out with one one. Got to be hard to take. Didn't even look at. I obviously knew a game I had, but I didn't really look at all your games on mm. Saturday. I just assumed where I got a first half goal as well. Edinburgh scored. I just assumed I was kind of safe at that mm. point. Two goals where a first half goal usually sees you through. But as you say, the the stakes have uh, risen. Mm. And uh, my game was two nil after nine minutes. Really? Yeah. <laughs> just kind of knew at that point. Mm. Before the guy scored five goals, I'll bow out with integrity. <laughs> Sporting integrity, indeed. Um, we were uh, given. We'll get one wee response to our question. I think it was from our very own Matt Findlay. Uh, kind of already discussed this, but I suppose we can get actual better discussion now. Um, can the panel think of any better saves from Scottish football? The the Joe Lewis save from Saturday. Um, as I've already said before, I thought the the Gorham one is, for me is the the best save I've ever seen. Um, which is quite ironic given I'm a Celtic fan but um, you guys what do you, what do you think? I've seen uh, various fantastic saves uh, 
one thing I've been fortunate with been a Kelly fan if anything we've also had good goalkeepers <laughs> genuinely have though I mean I mean I might take Cammy Bell I mean some of the saves that he used to pull off was just frightening I mean that save for Stokes in the cup final if you remember it the, the header for Stokes and it's basically under Bell's hand and he still manages to take it off the line yeah <laughs> except at that point it wasn't Bernie's hat it was the first oh, half so I see. but that was a Brown save. I remember a piece of goalkeeping for McDonald last year as well against St Johnson in a cup. He was what three saves in the bounce and he was on the deck for all three of them. It was just unbelievable. Uh, but no, I'd, I'd say the best save in Scottish football was probably Gorham for Van Hooydonk's header. To be honest, for me, but I'm sure others would agree or disagree. Do you go along with that, Craig? Being a Rangers man, I think Andy Gorham's is probably the best save ever of all time. <laughs> no, but certainly a Scottish oh. football. Um, Shouting. <laughs> spoke about what was Dino's McGregor off. from Samaras, which was. Another which one. Was number, Mc- I thought that. was pretty sure that was in. Remember McGregor's from Joe Ledley volley in the Actually, like yeah. old game. What um, one was this for Samaras? It was a one old game. It was a uh, kind of similar save to the Lou save at the weekend there. Yeah. Right. Like, in terms of where the shot came from, mm. and wasn't quite yeah. as good as that, but it kind of tipped. Got the fingertips out over the bar, but um, Boris just no doubt had his, his fair share of the one. The one I see is I always remember, and you're probably getting YouTube as you will. All of these saves, it was in the, the AC Milan game when Celtic were defending for their lives. The first leg was 0 0, second leg, obviously, Kaka eventually broke the deadlock. But Sadov has a free kick and he curls it round and it's going in the top corner. And Boris just Oh, the camera angle is amazing like the one was on Saturday very similar to the one on Saturday and almost with his wrong hand his right hand as he's going up to his left he tips it round or over the bar round the post that for me is the best one I've ever seen um, I'm trying to think if there's any other ones I can really think of Danny Rogers penalty save last season I was going to ask you Connor, was, was very good from um, from was it Wa- Wycon? Wycon, yeah, yeah, that was a really good save. save that's probably one of the only ones you would say like ah, that there was nothing much to penalty yeah. I could do there that's um, just an unbelievable save I'm hearing from a source behind me that uh, a McGregor save against Verda Bremen apparently was oh. better than Andy Gorham. Oh, was that against Diego or something like that, was it? Uh, no, who? Sonogo. Sonogo, yeah. That was. Oh, I remember that as well. forgot all about that. That was a ridiculous save. <laughs> McGregor, I think, looks like he's getting the vote. In terms I'd just of like to put a special mention in for, uh, for, for Danny Mallow. Legendary uh, <laughs> <laughs> Acker or something. Flash <laughs> uh, day of the season. <laughs> Last, last day of the season, Falkirk versus no Inverness versus Falkirk. There's a puppets involved in this. Whoever wins stays up, whoever loses goes down. It was a draw, Inverness stay up, Falkirk go down. Uh, but the first 10 minutes of the game, three outstanding saves to essentially keep Falkirk in the lead. But that, Jamie McDonald at Hamden for uh, Falkirk Hibs when they got through the cup final just two seasons ago uh, some of the saves in that game tipping shots on the post and all that sort of stuff and uh, are you doing your thesis again? I'm just (laughs) just like to say I know know there's people listening that would like to hear that you know so uh, oh there are trust me there are they're out there the best thing about McGregor's against Werder Bremen was I think Davy Weir is actually turning away as if he's already he thinks that Sonogo's already scored so is, is that the one that, that tips on the crossbar? Aye, it's aye, from aye. Li- it's literally, literally point blank range. Aye, aye. And, literally. And uh, he, he somehow manages to get on the crossbar and we made it through to the UEFA Cup final. I've got to ask Johnny before we, we head off. Have you got any any mentions that you can, you can add? Um, 
No, the only one I've added is McGregor's, which I've, I've heard I from sources. I Gomez or something like that. Gomez. I can remember him making a belt in a San Siro, but I can't. <laughs> uh, Forest Keeper's too busy scoring goals rather than 90. saving them, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, 90. Um, try to think. Uh, Cammy Bell's triple penalty save, but it's not really a specific one. Deserves a, mm. a massive mention, though, for that. I think so one off feet. Julius's save on Saturday yeah. does deserve a real mention because I think mm. for me that is probably just about as good a save as I've, I've seen. I mean, Sinclair, you see Sinclair's reaction, he thinks he's scored, mm. and it's just an amazing. I was listening to it at the radio my way up to Dundee, and I was hearing all this stuff. What a save! You know, you always think that's the radio just kind of hyping up, making it sound amazing. And I saw it on Saturday night, um, and it was it was an incredible stop, really. Like a really, really top world class save. Mm. Mm. That is all we have time for today. Um, there are th- well, technically four matches of all the Scottish, Scottish teams tonight. Um, Martin St Mirren, uh, four for Edinburgh, Crusaders, Livingston are of course uh, under 20s. back uh, uh, against um, Celtic and there's also some under 20s going on as no, well. No, sorry, I mean, <laughs> I, mean uh, I don't know if you've heard the news but it's about my Oh, oh the, oh, the Crusaders, Crusaders, oh sorry, yes. yes. Both, <laughs> both, both agreed to play their youth team and uh, the, the Iron Brew Cup fourth round match tonight. This is, of course, the, the replay after Levy Field. Livingston are quite uh, high odds as well. Uh, they they are, are, but yeah. I think we were talking, Johnny, you wouldn't touch it because it's such a unknown. Um, yeah, we no idea. The, the Levy uh, reserves or youth team are pretty good, but mm. um, I, I wouldn't honestly touch that game. Mm. Um, it's a bit of a mockery of the competition, to be totally honest. So, um, yeah. I. So so good luck to all those teams tonight. If you're local to either Northern Ireland or Germany, make sure you, you go along <laughs> in the games. Um, that is all we get time for. Thank you for listening. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook. Um, thank you and goodbye.